Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Before I even get into the title of my message and all that, for those of you who don't know, because I feel like there's a lot of people up in this in this room, and so I'm going to assume that not all y'all know me. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, my name is Anthony. People call me Coco Bear for, <laughs> for whatever reason. If you want to know the reason, meet me afterwards while we're having fun with the festivities, and, and I'll be happy to tell you. Um, but yeah, uh, I've been able... I've been blessed to be in this house for like 10 years. Um, so I started coming into this church when I was 15 years old. So where are all my high schoolers at right now? Can, can y'all make some noise? Where are the high schoolers at? Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Hey, there's nothing inherently special about me, you know what I'm saying? I'm just a dude that said yes to wanting something different. And over time, just let God move through and work some things out in my life. And, and I'm here and it's been a journey. So for all the high schoolers out there, yo, like, <laughs> yo, stay in the journey, get involved. Because I'm telling you, this is life changing. Um, I've been blessed enough to also serve in junior high for nine years. So, so where are all my junior hires at? Can, can we make some noise out there? Yeah, come on, come on. Uh, and so, that has been awesome, and now having the privilege to lead along with my beautiful wife here in SLC. Um, so, yeah, God's been moving, doing some, some things. I also uh, graduated from the internship. Now it's called Awaken You. So shout out to all those people out there. For those who don't know, the internship or now Awaken You is a major key in why I'm actually even here in SLC. And, and it unlocked so many different things and allowed me to move forward in my life. So I'm always thankful for that. But yeah, I just grew up as a kid, born and raised in San Diego, a very, um, shall I say, um, ghetto part of, of San Diego. I know, I know with Utah, you have a very different word about ghetto. Y'all thinking Midvale and South Jordan and West Jordan is ghetto. No, 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 no. Come, come to National City in, in, in San Diego, Southeast Diego, and I, I'll, I'll walk you through. I'll walk you through. Um, <laughs> or just take a trip up to Magna, you know what I'm saying? Then maybe, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you, you'll get a decent understanding. But yeah, I didn't grow up in, in the best uh, neighborhood. Um, and I grew up in a, in a house with just my mom, my grandma, and my uncle. I was an only child. And um, I didn't have um, a father in the house who was not in the picture at all whatsoever. Did not know him. Still don't know him. And actually, up until... This past year, a lot of questions, still not all of them, but a lot of questions just about him and just how I came to be uh, got a little bit answered. So a lot of that became, was a mystery for me for a very long time. And I kind of lived in, I would like to call it, my little naive bubble, so I say. Because I grew up, like I said, in a bad neighborhood. I didn't know it was a bad neighborhood. I just thought every house had a screen door, which is a door that protects the other door. You know? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that, like, hey, 
maybe it's not wise to wear blue or red when you're walking down the street. I just thought they just hate the colors. I'm just like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I was able for at least a good part of my childhood to have kind of just a, a good, happy-go-lucky life leading uh into some things. It wasn't until I actually hit uh, my junior high years where things actually started to get unraveled. That little bubble started to get shattered and things opened up in my eyes, some for the better, some for the worse. And, um, and I felt like there were some things, I started to notice the disadvantages in my life. And sadly, I started to believe and fall into those disadvantages. And it led me to miss out on some things in life, miss out on some opportunities I could have gained um, in my future. And so it's, it's funny how, thing, how God works and how full circle things can be because where the enemy spent time trying to rob things and in those crucial years, look at now 10 plus years later, oh my goodness, 10 plus years later, I now get to minister to some junior hires and, and help them stop. I can kind of be the little roadblock and be like, hold up, no, 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 stop, not in my house, get all Matumbo on them, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, not in my house, all right? So, yeah, no, we get to kick the devil's butt every Sunday at the 12. And so God, God knows what he's doing. Even though I don't know half the time, he knows, which, you know, that's the most important thing. Um, but like I said, I felt like in, in my life, I grew up with a little bit of a disadvantage. And it made me feel like, oh, well, I can't win in certain things. Or I'm not um, qualified to be able to step foot in or have the authority to call things down that I want in my life. And it made me actually think... In the circumstance world, it made me think of someone in the Bible that I hope y'all are familiar with if you read it. Um, it's this dude named David, you know. And, and David, you know, I'm going to get into kind of his story, but I'm going to set it up just a little bit. So obviously there was a king named King Saul. He was good for a hot minute, but then, you know, he decided to do his own thing. God actually said he wanted a king after, like, his own heart. And after Saul had broke that command, immediately the anointing left Saul. And it was like, all right. And then God commissioned Samuel, who was a prophet, to go, yo, I need you to anoint the next king. And after Samuel was, like, a little butthurt about it, like, he was just like, but God, you, I know you saw him. he was supposed to be good. Blah, 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 blah. Are you done, Samuel? Are you done whining? Yeah, okay, okay. Now I need you to go and anoint the next king, all right? He eventually <laughs> goes, does what God commands, and he goes and he does it. So actually, can we put up the verses? This is in First Samuel 16, verse 4. We get it on the screen. Oh, that looks so nice. I like that. That looks tight. All right. Yeah. And it says, Samuel did what God told him. That's a good job. That's good. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him. But apparently, is there something wrong? We go to the next one. Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you into the worship of God. Prepare yourselves. Be consecrated and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. Now, the son, we're going to pause it just for like a hot second. So the, the anointed king was in Jesse's house. And Jesse got 
it's going to get into it, but Jesse got like eight sons out here. I don't know. I guess they was busy out there. You know, they loved making families. <laughs> but the king was there. The king was there at that house. All right. And so now we're, we're going to go into that, that, that next verse. Uh, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Wait, hold up. Now, I, I, I've spent time practicing. Hold up. <laughs> Eliab, sorry. I had it in my mind. And I'm like, wait a minute. Where is it going? Eliab. And thought, here is God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. How many of you guys are blessed and thankful that God looks at the heart? God looks at the heart, because sometimes, you know, we, we can't lie to ourselves. Sometimes we got a face that only Jesus can love. But how many of y'all look, hey, but Jesus has an anointing out here. Can I get an amen? Come on. It says, it says Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented, we're just going to, you know, I'm going to skip a little, a little bit of that. So... <laughs> So I want to I want to I want to I want to make sure there's some time for you know for God to move out there. So basically, let me get to the point. So <laughs> Samuel's in Jesse's house, and Jesse goes and he's like, "All right, oh the next king is gonna be up in here. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, all right. Let me let me grab my sons real quick. Notice notice how I said Jesse got eight sons, right? So tell me why he only brings seven up into the crib. He only brings seven in the house. He says, okay, here's my seven. We're going to line them up right here. We're going to start with the oldest. <laughs> and like, it was like, all right, yeah, he, he going to be the one. And Tim was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the one. Oh, yeah, he looks great. He looks fit. He looks strong. He's the oldest. Oh, yeah, God's blessing is totally on him. Nope, it's not him. All right, we're going to move to the next one. Nope, not him. Oh, we're going to move to the next one. Down the line of the seven sons. No, 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 no. None of them. <laughs> None of them. And then eventually Sam was like, well, Okay, the anointing, is, it's not on any of them. Yep, Jesse. <laughs> like, it was like, God said, come to this house. There's going to be, you know, there, there's going to be someone for me to anoint. Do you have any other sons? And, you know, Jesse out here, because he only brought seven out here, the, the ones he thought for sure were going to be the ones. He's like, well, since you asking, all right, um, we got this little one in the back. You know, no, he tended to the sheep. Uh his name is David. His name is David? Yeah, his name is David. Uh, yeah, he turned to the sheep right now. He's a little busy, but I guess I can bring him out. Bring him out. All right, fine. Hey, one of y'all, uh, go get David. <laughs> so they bring David in, you know, from tending the sheep. He got wool on him and everything like that. Say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Bam, the anointing is on him. And, and it is from that moment where it's like, okay, bam, this one is supposed to be the king. So despite him being the youngest, despite him tending the sheep, also... A little tidbit, you know, it's believed that, uh, that uh, David is the son of uh, his father's kind of affair, you know. So he wasn't really necessarily entitled to all, you know, the inheritance out here. He, was, he wasn't really, he was, a, he was a part of the family, but he wasn't really a part of the family. As you can see, he was out there tending the sheep, let alone he was the black sheep, you know, pun intended. But like... <laughs> 
But all of a sudden, despite his circumstances, despite how he may have been perceived by the rest of the family, despite his age, despite how young he was, when the minute he stepped in, God's race, God's anointing was planted right there on him, showing that, hey, everybody, man, may look at this, may look at all the exterior, but I'm looking after the interior. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at what matters. And so I'm going to, then we're going to skip along into, into the story a little bit too. And so just keep in mind, David was a man after God's own heart and had a heart full of worship. And, and that was very vital to him. But we're going to skip a little bit to where things get, you know, a little shaken up. Things get a little bit interesting. So, you know, the Israelites, which is, you know, McCann said, David and his family, everyone, you know, the chosen people, God's chosen people, they're over here. They're in a war with the Philistines. And it comes to a head when the Philistines bring out this big, gigantic dude named Goliath. So he was said to be like 10 foot tall, full of just all this armor, had all these weapons. Basically just picture me with about like three and a half more feet and then just more intimidating, you know? Like that that's him, that's him. And so, you know, this strikes fear in, you know, all the Israel troops. Saul is shook to the core. He's just like, oh my goodness, this, this man is a monster. And they're, they're, just, they're just terrified, you know what I mean? And, you know, Goliath is just being just different. He, he, he starts being like, well, I don't know why you brought your little army out here to come and attack all this. You know, I, you know, I, I can just, with one swing, I can just take y'all out. So let me, let me just make this easier on all y'all. Just select one of y'all. <laughs> Who, whoever has enough chutzpah to, you know, take me on, <laughs> on, we'll, we'll make this wager. If, if, if y'all win, say this person comes, kills me, dead, um, we will now be your slaves. We'll be your slaves. You'll rule over us. But if I win, which, <laughs> let's be honest, I mean, I'm the dude. If I win, <laughs> you will then be our slaves. And so now the Israelites, they're, they're, they're shaking to their boots because word gets to Saul, and they're terrified. You know, some of them are crying in the corner. Some of them are looking for their mama. Some of them are peeing in their pants. They're like, what are we going to do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And then cut to David. You know, David out there in the field, worshiping, tending to the sheep, doing what he does. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his dad calls out and be like, hey, yo, all your brothers at war, they hungry. So I need you to take this wheat, take this bread, take this cheese, bring it to them. You know, bring the whole charcuterie board and Lunchables and get it. The brothers are starving. Go feed them. So, you know, he goes out. He says, all right, cool. I'm going to go and feed them and everything like that. And then he's out there seeing what's going on and doing all the things. And he hears about uh, the challenge. And he hears Goliath piping off and, you know, just, just getting at everybody. And all of a sudden, he starts hearing about what Saul is planning to do for the person that actually steps up actually steps up. He was like, oh, what, what will happen if whoever, like, who, who wins? Who wins? And they're like, oh, well, the king's got this fat daddy reward, just all the money, all the cash, you're going to be living good. Also, his, uh, his daughter, you know, you know, you know the one, you know the one. Yeah, um, she will be that person's bride, and 
on top of that, not only you, but your family is just going to be living large. They're just going to be living the free life. And David's like, oh, snap. <laughs> I get money. I get a girl. And my family's getting good. Oh, yo, why isn't anybody else signing up? Yo, where can I sign up? Where can, anybody got a pen? Anybody got a pen? And, and, his, and his brother, his older brother, Eliab, actually overhears him. He's like, what are you doing? What are, what are you doing out here? Like, like, you are out here sticking your nose in where you don't belong. You small. You ain't even in the army. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You ain't got no muscles on your body, anything like that. So, like, immediately, David just goes on, and he just ignores him. He just ignores his brother, and he just starts going around the camp, talking to everybody, like, yo, oh, yo, man, we can take this. We can go after him. Like, Man, come on, who's doing it? And he, you know, he starts actually roasting them because he actually has the confidence. He actually knows who his father is, his heavenly father is. So he starts roasting Goliath, calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. I'm like, oh, snap, get up with this Old Testament roast out here. They going crazy. But eventually his words actually make it to the king. They actually make it to Saul, who again starts to doubt him. And says, well, like, um, you're too small. You're inexperienced. Uh, I don't think so. I don't want this to be a lose-lose situation. And uh, David has to kind of set him straight be like, hey, I know I just am a little shepherd boy <laughs> playing my little harp. And, <laughs> and I'm just out here. But, no, in protecting my sheep, protecting my own, I've actually, I, I've killed some animals, some beasts. I've been trying to take what's mine. So I, I got a little experience out there. And so I was like, okay. All right, we'll see what you got. So now I'm going to get into the title of my message. The title of my message is called Called to Victory. That looks awesome. That looks great. So the first point that I want to actually get into, because there's a lot of different things you can take from the story of David. The things that kind of stuck out to me is what I'm going to be pointing out. So the first point is actually going to be called Change Your Circle. All right. And, and so this can either be changed to change your friends, change your group, change your crew, like any way you, you split it. But basically what it means is like who are the people that you're letting speak into your life? Who are you letting speak into your world right now? And so notice, notice how when David was riling the whole troop up. You notice how his older brother, his oldest brother who's in the army, is like the first person to tell him, hey, you need to shut up. <laughs> you need to pipe down, little brother. Like, I don't think, I don't know who you is. You ain't got no muscles up in there. What are you doing? David immediately ignores him. <laughs> he immediately ignores him and actually just goes on to other people to, to feed him. Like, okay, can we do this? Can we do this? I think we can do this. Come on. And it, he actually understood that in order to get the job done, he couldn't be hanging around the same crew that was not a part of the vision, not a part of the mission. So, when I was growing up, like I said, a lot of my belief systems that I felt like kind of crippled me in a while, they all kind of started in my junior high years. I came in all fresh-eyed, still somewhat tall like this, and I just wanted everyone to like me. I wanted everyone to just be my friend. I just wanted to impress people. And immediately, because I don't know what it is about junior high, people want to be um, just 
bullies out here, they just immediately started to tear me down, saying, like, oh, you're stupid. Um, why are you so tall? Um, like, why do you always wear a hat? I don't get it. You're not funny. Uh, it's just like, I don't know why you think you're cool. You're not cool if anyone's told you. And all the things I wanted to grow up and be, because I, I was a super creative kid. I went to a performing arts school. So I loved drawing. I loved acting. I loved anything that had to do with creative. And I, I, want, I had dreams of being an animator at, like, Disney or, or acting in a TV show. Those are things I kind of wanted to do with my life. And trying to share those dreams or say, hey, this is what I want to do, immediately the crowd would be like, eh, you're not talented enough to do that. <laughs> you ain't got the skills to do that. Oh, this person over here is 10 times better at you, that, that you, you can't do it. And immediately it shut me down. It shut down the things that I wanted to do. And the sad part is, because I didn't have the confidence, I didn't have the strength to believe in who whose I was at the time, I believed it. I believed it, and I let that carry on to where I'm like, well, let me just settle for, for lesser, you know? And even, like, my mom. I love my mom. She's the best mom in the world, because I know she's going to hear this. I love you so much. <laughs> there was a time in my life where I was in college. I was in art college, and I just finished a year. I got my associates, and I was like, uh, this is cool and all, but I actually want to do something different. I actually... I'm thinking about joining the internship. I'm actually joining, I'm thinking about like doing something like that. And my mom was like, what, what, what? You're gonna leave college? You're just gonna have an associate's degree? What? That, that makes no sense. You're gonna go to something that you pay to do? Like, what? You're gonna pay to volunteer? That don't make no sense. <laughs> and, and I love my mom, but she just didn't understand. You know, you're gonna come across people that are gonna like hate on the things that you wanna do, maybe because they don't wanna see you do it, or they just simply don't understand. She didn't understand that at the time in my life, I was feeling a little dry. I was feeling a little stagnant. I felt like I wasn't going anywhere, even though, yeah, I'm, I have a degree and all this fancy stuff. I, no, my life didn't feel like it was going anywhere. And the internship felt like, oh, I, I can go the next level. Oh, let me spend more time with God and see what he can do in my life. That sounded like a much better option for me. And although it, it caused a little grief, some things were, you know, didn't understand. I completed the internship. Uh, did two years, and my life hasn't been the same. It's actually moved forward. I, like, and my mom now gets it, and she's like, "Oh, that's why you did it." Oh, that stuff. But it took me kind of getting away and not fully listening to the naysayers in in all that, in order for for me to move, in order for me to achieve the things I wanted to see happen in my life. Um, so, point two, this one is called change your mindset. Change your mindset, or if you want to get technical with it, let's see, bam, 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 bam. other words is change your perception, change how you view yourself. See, with, 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 with David, right, David, not once was he ever really afraid of the obstacle that was at hand. Never once was he swayed. While everyone, all the Israel troops were shaking in the boots, uh, David was set strong because he knew 
who his father was. He knew that, oh, no, I, I'm winning. The, the battle is already won. The victory is mine because I know who I'm fighting for. He already knew the perception because he knew that whoever was against God was the enemy. They were going down. They were going down. And so because he understood that, he already knew that he, he won. Had he lost, had he was like, oh, Goliath is pretty big. He is pretty tall. He is you know, all these things. David probably would have had no chance <laughs> at defeating, and the story would have went completely different. Right? Growing up, like I said, I was an only child, and because I was an only child, you know, like I get all the love, the attention, all the things. And so sometimes when you're an only child, you have the tendency to be a little spoiled, <laughs> and, and so and a little self-centered. So there would be things I wanted. I'd say it very loud and clear. I want this. I want that. I want that. And I didn't really understand the purpose of sharing. Didn't understand uh, that, oh, I, I need to care about other people and what they want, too. Like, no. Like, it was very limiting. And one day, my mom, again, like I said, I love my mom. <laughs> you are amazing. Honestly, the best mom ever, honestly. But one day, she got a little fed up at me. And she's like, all you say is you want this and you want that. Why do you got to be so greedy? Why do you got to be so selfish? And the way I took that, notice how it says, the way I took it. Because what, what my mom said was actually true. But the way I took it was, oh, I'm selfish. I'm this. Okay, I guess I don't, I shouldn't want anything. I should just be happy with the things that I get. And of course, gratitude, being grateful is important. Absolutely, we should be thankful with the things that we are to receive because, you know, we couldn't get it. But like, I, I, I went so far to the other side where I'm just like, you know what? I don't want anything. I don't, I don't deserve anything. I shouldn't get anything. To, to the point where the things I did want, I was afraid to ask. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to feel shut down and be like, uh, I don't deserve it. It, it shouldn't happen to me. I, I shouldn't get the things I want. I shouldn't hope for the things that I want. And, and it crept into other places where I couldn't really dream big. I couldn't really see vision past a certain point. And it, it wasn't even until this year where some of those things actually started to break off for me. It, it was something where, for me, it was just like, well, I, I, I don't deserve those things. But we're called to win. We're called to go after things. That was also something that I didn't believe I could do. I felt that, like, for because I grew up with, without a dad, I didn't play a lot of sports, so I didn't really get a lot of sports. So anytime I stepped into sports, I felt like I'd be embarrassing myself every chance I got. And it was to the point where I actually hated competition. I hated anything to do with competition. I'm like, why are people so amped up for things like this? I don't get it. I don't get it. Winning's not everything, okay? Like, But the reason I felt that way, the reason why I felt that way is because I, I, didn't, I didn't care. I didn't, I, I didn't see the need to actually try and go and do something to see something win. Uh, I grew up hating it because I never saw myself winning anything. I, didn't, I actually would step in being like, it, it's okay if I, if I don't win. It's okay if I uh, don't <laughs> uh, 
if, if, if I don't succeed. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. But really, I was doing that. I was like, well, it's okay. If I don't play the game, I, I can't lose, right? And, you know, it's like, if I, if I don't play, like, it's, it's fine. But that's the thing. I was afraid to lose. I was afraid to take a risk. I was afraid to take a chance. I was afraid of embarrassing myself and making a fool of myself because I cared so much about what people thought of me to the point I didn't realize that me not playing doesn't mean, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't lose. No, it means that I don't win. And when I don't win, I don't get to experience the same reward. And that's the thing, our Father, our Heavenly Father actually wants to give us so many amazing gifts. But how many of us are too busy playing it safe, too busy being like, well, you know what, I can't win. I don't have a shot. You know, this is a long shot. So you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play this safe. I'm gonna sit in the corner really quick, watching life go by, watching everybody become victors while you're sitting there on the sidelines playing it safe. Yeah, you're playing it safe. No, 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 God actually has so many things that he wants from you, but it actually requires us to step out. It actually requires us to take a chance. And so the next final point, final point is we need to change how we view God. How do we view God? Notice how, like again, like I said, with, with David, David was, was, was pretty simple. He was a man after God's own heart. And so he worshiped, he praised, he knew who he was within him. He knew who he was. And with that, because he knew, he already knew that the battle was already won. He already knew that his God was gonna come through in this battle. He already knew that, he already knew that. Just like in, in today, like the physical battles of the Old Testament, they're no more now, now they're spiritual and in the New Testament that we're living in. And so now, now, now the giants, we actually get to partner with Jesus for that. We actually get to partner with the Holy Spirit for that. But if I was being honest with you, if I was being honest with you, this was something, again, I had an issue with. I had an issue with it. And for a long time, I actually didn't even realize I had an issue with it. Um, the way I viewed God was, oh, God's somewhere up there looking down. You know, he, he may bless me. He may not. Uh, he may come through for me. He may not. Um, but he's out there somewhere doing great things, I think. And the reason I felt that way was because of the abandonment and the issues I had with the abandonment of me not having a father in my life, not having that connection with the biological in a ways severed at the time my connection with the heavenly father. So the way I looked at him was through a skewed lens of how I felt, the, how, the way I was receiving things. So, oh, for in the beginning of my faith, I'm like, well, I'm praying to you, God, but I don't see you. I don't hear you. It's starting to sound and look familiar to something I already know. And, you know, I believe in you, but do I trust that you're actually going to do the things that you say you're going to do? I don't know. Uh, do I actually have the faith to actually go after the things that I want? I don't know because I'm scared because if I go out there and I really trust it and it doesn't happen and it doesn't go right, then I'm going to be left vulnerable and afraid and ashamed and embarrassed like I've already felt. 
And I don't want to feel that again. I don't want to feel that again. But here's the thing. What, 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 if, what, what if he does come through? What if he does make a way? What if he actually opens up the heavenly realm, the supernatural realm to come down and do something in your life? That's something I had to realize because at a certain point, the things that I was doing, it, it, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. You know, they, they say that if you do the same thing, expecting different results, it's insanity. And, you know, after a while, I grew tired of seeing the same old thing, doing the same old stuff, and not feeling great about anything. Hey, why don't I, I give this Jesus thing a shot? Why don't I give this Jesus thing a shot? Let, let me see what he can do for me. Um, let, 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 me see, let me see. And I began to pray. I began to lift my hands up and worship and be like, you know what, God? You know what? Yeah, I don't see you right now. I don't hear you right now. But I'm going to trust in you. I don't know how to do that right now, but I'm going to. I'm actually going to put my faith in you. Because maybe, just maybe, if I lean into you, I might see something different. I might be different. And the crazy thing about it, the crazy thing is, is through walking out through those particular those particular mindsets that I had to shake off. I had to, in, in Romans it says, the renewal of your mind, it's important. You know, there's some things that we've inherited. There's some things that we've inhabited. There's some things that we took on ourselves that we shouldn't have taken on. And as we go along with life, we think we're fine, but we're looking at things through a shattered lens. We're looking at things in a messed up picture. But if we actually invite Jesus in, to be like, hey, 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 partner with me, partner with me. Come, 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 come with me. If we actually lean in to him, to his love, to his grace, we get to actually walk in to freedom. We get to actually walk into a state where, oh, this may be a little uncomfortable. I'm not used to this. I'm not, I'm, I'm not used to, to, to playing the victim. I'm not used to, you, you, you know, to, to, not, to, not, to, to not winning. But you know what? I'm going to trust you as I walk toward you. And things might be different. Guess what? Things will be different. But we got to go all in. We got to go all in. There's some things that we got to break off. There's some things in order for us to have a, an actual great perception, a 2020 perception, I like to call it, in, in how we see our God, how we see our Father. So we're going to, at a certain point, we're going to invite up the, the ministry team. I'm so sorry for going over the time, by the way. <laughs> um, but before, before that, before that, though, before I, I call some things, because there's probably some of you that feel a little incomplete feel like there's some there's been some disadvantages in your life that have stopped you from the dreams and the visions that God's trying to give you. But before we 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 get into that, I actually 
want everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. Because before we can even even break that down, I think there's some of y'all tonight that before we even get into that, we we, we need to actually come into, into the presence of Jesus, the Son of God, Lord, our Savior. And for some of us in here, maybe, you know, we, we didn't grow up having him in our house, in our life, in our hearts. And we've been trying to do life our own way, walk our own way. And it's been rough. It's been hard. But can I tell you that there is a son who came to set us free. There's a son that came to break the chains as a son that paid his life, gave his life to pay the price for our freedom. And so if you're here tonight and you know you're not right with Jesus, you haven't given your life, you haven't put your trust or your faith all the way in, I'm gonna encourage you to raise your hand in a little bit to receive. And, and maybe there's some people that, that did make that promise, that did make that step, but you, you took your life back into your own hands and, and you, you decided to walk your own way, but you feel a little shameful, you feel a little guilt with it. There's no guilt in coming back. There's no guilt. There's no shame in coming back into the presence. There's no shame in coming back into peace. So on the count of three and I have everyone's eyes closed, ain't nobody seeing it but me. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You're saying, hey, that's me. Actually, I want to get right. Actually, I want to, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I actually want to partner with him because we're not meant to do life alone. I actually want to partner with him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to have everyone say this prayer. At some point, most of us has probably said this over a million times. Uh, because you're not alone. You know, we always got to remind ourselves of that. So, dear Jesus, I thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross, for my freedom, for my abundance. I thank you that you are my Lord. I think that you are my Savior. And I will follow you. And I will trust you. I will worship you. I will praise you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.